Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us. Sean, how are you feeling? Good to be in this climate we're in right now. Right. But I'm ready to talk about it. All right, sounds good. Um, so thanks for joining us today. We have a special guest with us. We have a uh, Kendall Burton, who is a friend of the show. Um, but you know, rather than me run all down his credentials, I'll let him speak to the audience. Uh, Kendall, welcome to the show. How's it going? Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's a little bit of background for me. Uh-huh. Designer. Our director, a little bit of everything. My experience has been mostly ad agencies, but I've worked in all kinds of industries, entertainment, consumable goods, recently on a political campaign. So mm-hmm. I touched a little bit of everything. Good stuff. Oh, you, you was out here getting these votes up, I see, huh? <laughs> yeah, which campaign or it's an ongoing campaign? or It's a campaign that recently ended. Oh, <laughs> basically, you can't talk about it. All right, got it. Got it. I can talk about it. If you no, can. I can no, talk about it. But it was a Bloomberg campaign. Oh, okay, <laughs> got it. Okay, so I mean, let's talk about it if we can. And yeah, hey, now we can. I don't want to discuss, but I heard there was some backlash. There's a lawsuit out there, right? Because of uh, the campaign was promised to go to at least November or something. So, like, yeah, you no. Know, give us some insight on that. I'm just curious. Um. I, well, I can say for one, I wasn't. I'm not one of the people suing them, but I understand <laughs> there was a lot of talk within the campaign about uh, going into November whether he was winning or not. And so, for a lot of people, they felt safe. I would say that's what I would say. A lot of people felt safe in their position because they were like, "Great, he's going to November regardless." Mm. Me being brought in as a contractor who was working specifically on a black voter base, uh, Mike for Black America team. In my mind, I'm always like. I believe you, but I'll believe you when I see it. I can't just bank my life on that. So I didn't take it too personally when it, when it all ended it. And they were just like, okay, guys, sorry. We did the great work, but we, we kind of have to end it here. I didn't take it so harshly, but a lot of people apparently have moved in from different states. Some people took leave from work. A lot of people had a lot of different situations that I wasn't involved in or, or familiar with. So I could kind of understand why they felt the way they did. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. And also, you know, just for the audience, you are also a business owner as well, correct? Yep, yep. I got my own design business on the side, which is fun. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So that kind of leads us into today's episode. So, you know, we're about, you know, I would say more or less about the second week into the corona pandemic uh, in the U.S. on the I don't say from the U- on the U.S. side of things. We've been aware of this for a while now. But, you know, we're already two weeks in. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to take this time for us to focus and just, you know, more reflective on what's, on what's happened in the last two weeks, you know, to kind of discuss, you know, we've, we're seeing a lot in the news going on in regards to people with their jobs. Unfortunately, a lot of jobs are being cut. A lot of people are losing work. Um, and as well as a lot of businesses and a lot of small businesses, you know, to be specific, as well as we're totally aware of the big corporations as well. Um, so from you guys' perspective, has there been any, you know, any thoughts or, you know, takeaways? I mean, we've only been two weeks in, but as far as, you know, lessons learned as a business owner right about now uh, from these, you know, tragedies uh, going on? Man, uh- and my, my first thought, to be honest with you, when a lot of this was going down was, 
man, I need to be big enough to not fail. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these companies seem like 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 they were one paycheck away from not being a business. Mm. The way things <laughs> the way things are going, only within what two weeks now, mm-hmm. it seems like everybody's gonna have to get bailed out. I understand, like you know, airlines and stuff like that. That industry isn't necessarily gonna vanish, but uh, for a lot of these businesses, it just seemed like they were just one check away. Despite mm-hmm. all the financial advice that seems to get thrown out there, mm-hmm. so you need to be too big to fail. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the main takeaway. Small to fail. Can you be like so? And, and maybe that's the wrong way to put it. Too small to fail. But can you be so small and so tight of a shift that when something like this happens, I mean, is it, I got to be a real specific situation, I guess. But when something like this happens, it kind of built. For uh, you know, built for with insurance in mind. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you can. I'm. Just, there's a lot of things going on now with uh, you know shipping and stuff like that, where products are coming from. Depending on the kind of business you have, like me being a design business, you, I know you guys are a little familiar. Like having a design business, a lot of it is well, as long as I have Photoshop and as long as I the Gmail and certain things are functioning, I could kind of stay in business. I'm not paying for like a brick and mortar location, but right. for the people that are. That's that's a tough one because you got restaurants now who could pretty much only do takeout, so mm-hmm. they're fully relying on whether or not somebody's going to eat out that day today. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. their whole thing. And if some people decide, no, I'm going to cook because I don't know when the stuff is going to end, so I'm not trying to spend money. That puts you in a tighter spot. And you got employees. There's a, there's a lot that goes into it. So I think regardless of size, it's going to hit you hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I that I noticed, or one thing that was not surprising, but also, but also at the same time surprising was the amount of cash that these businesses had on hand to operate before they just went out of business, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot, like you said, one check away, one like 12 days away, 20 something days away before um, totally collapsing, which I think also speaks to the, the, ro- the romanticizing that we have about businesses, you know? Yes. I think, you know, a lot of times people see businesses and just automatically assume it's quote un- it's a quote unquote business that the business owner must be rolling in dough, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. they don't really take things into consideration like margins and, and yeah. you know, and, and cash flow and, and, you know, just even emergency funds, right? So you just assume, well, it's a business, so how could they go under in two, two weeks or whatever? And not really understanding all that goes into play to make a business successful and how a successful successful business could be running, I mean, for years, but just operating on a small margin, but they've been around for so long, thriving off such a small margin, but all it took was one major hiccup and everything's collapsed, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted, that was kind of how I wanted to kick it off is Mm -hmm. to ask from your guys' perspectives as business owners, when a situation happens like this and you can use your businesses as examples, what is the first um, piece of your business that you have to look at? Is it your cash flow? Is it, you know, your insurance? Is it your your staff? You're like, you know, what's the first thing you look at um, from your guys' perspective when you know there's going to be a recession coming? Oh, man. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, with me, I would say the first thing I always look at, um, and I'm still fairly new to this thing, but I would say the first thing I look at is how much money I ha- how much money I saved. 
So like I, I'm pretty frugal in terms of lifestyle anyway. I keep expenses low and stuff like that. It's just kind of how I live. But uh, going into the business space, I know you could have a month of like twenty thousand dollars. You could have a month of like two thousand dollars. So you just sometimes you can't predict it. Sometimes you can. So mm-hmm. people offset that by having a nine to five. Mm-hmm. But for those people that don't. I would just say, man, make sure you're saving a little bit extra every time you get paid. You can't just pull out of control like you're a millionaire every time a check is cut or a deposit hit, or you're going to end up in a bad spot now. Like, we don't know the certainty of the situation we're in right now. So I can't imagine if some people have to sit in place for a few months mm-hmm. and they weren't even prepared for, like, a month. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure Danny can elaborate on that more. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's a little bit of both. You know, overhead and, you know, reserve funds that have been saved you know over the years i would say um for me personally this is just a personal taste you know my personal style i don't like to be leveraged thin i don't like to be spread thin from a leverage perspective and people that have done business with me or have you know even done investments or work they know you know i'm i like to be just my whole energy is balanced right so i never want to feel like i'm stressed too thin or things is you know, if I if I'm if I do something from a business perspective, I usually do it from you might call it overly cautious or playing it too safe, but I do it from a perspective as if this deal goes bad or if it doesn't work out, you know, it won't ruin me. Right. It can only benefit me. And that's just how I like to move. Now, of course, the bigger the risk, the bigger the rewards. I'm totally aware of that as well. But I don't like to be kept up at night by what if worse you know these scenarios right yeah so that's just me that's my personal energy and how i move so for me it's always about one overhead and then also um you know where the cash flow and and where the cash flow is looking what it's looking like and then also how much i have reserved you know and i'm the type like everybody eats every and nobody could with, with everything going on right now can't no one come at me and be like you owe me some money right like and i that's just that's on my conscience right like all right send me this let me try to you know i don't want to be part of the problem you know but of course yeah. every industry lends itself to different scenarios right i mean shoot i had a call with one of my clients uh earlier this week and you know he he his his all his business is wiped out until September, right? He's wiped out to September. And he was like, listen, I, he just was transparent. Like, I'm, I don't think I can pay the next invoice that you send over here, yeah. which is very real. But he has a different, he has a whole, his industry is completely different than mine, right? So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's just, it's different businesses. But for me, it's definitely overhead and cash flow and operating costs. And just being aware that there's a healthy balance. So if things get slow or things, this is this is just unprecedented, right? You're yep. able to float yourself for a little bit longer than what's than what we see is going on around this around here. But I also say that from a perspective of also my operation isn't a twenty person operation. It isn't a fifty person operation. But I feel like. If I scale to that level, I would probably still work within that same type of principles. That's just my principles, right? So I always feel like that would probably still how I operate with not a lot of debt or low, you know, spreading myself too thin. Yeah, too many risks on the table. Yeah, too many risks on the table at one time. It just isn't my energy. Yeah. So I want to kind of do a mini 
case study with y'all and because it's a company I used to work for, WWE World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And right now they're going through an interesting uh, situation due to COVID-19 because they can't have an arena full of crowded people mm-hmm. um, yeah. affecting each other. So that's completely changed not only their business model and the revenue stream they were getting from ticket sales, but it's also kind of affecting the... A lot of businesses are built around one big event for the year. Oh, uh, yeah. WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. WrestleMania coming yeah. up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're going to have a WrestleMania event that's not going to sell any tickets, you know? And I know part of, that, part of that ticket sales goes to pay the wrestlers. Like, that's revenue that really kickstarts the whole year. So mm-hmm. just as a case study, I'm throwing that business out there. I'm curious... You guys are Vince McMahon. What do you? How do you? How do you handle a situation like that? Like, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll go first. I'll go for that. My my first thought is like, I, I, I'd cry a little bit because I'd be like, man, this is the event. Like, I I don't even want personally. I don't watch wrestling as much as I used to. Like, obviously during like the Attitude Era and all of that stuff when it was like crazy. But to pretend that WrestleMania isn't easily one of the biggest sporting events of the year would be insane. Like it's it's definitely it's kind of up there with the Super Bowl, except you have to pay to watch it. That's really like the mm-hmm. only barrier mm-hmm. to entry that makes it make viewership probably not as high as the Super Bowl because it's it's just the event. Like there's so much so much history and so many things there. Like just like I can only imagine like if this don't if this doesn't happen the way they want it to happen, and then like. You know how WrestleMania, it's such a historical event that every year they reference past WrestleManias. I can't imagine in the future when they're shooting cutting formal promos for the future WrestleManias that they even want to reference this one because there won't be anyone there to celebrate the event. So that that in and of itself would just cause like huge marketing problems and all of that. How would I handle that? Man, a part of me would want to say cancel it mm-hmm. and and just like find a way to leverage the old WrestleMania, the old WrestleManias, the history of the old WrestleManias. And like, I, yeah, I would, I would want to cancel it because how are you going to pay for the venues? How are you going to pay for so many things? Just some, I know they pay for a lot of these things. They pretty much trying to make the money back. But, yeah, you can make money from pay-per-views. But I don't know. Do people want to watch a show where there's no audience? Like, they were trying to talk about that with the NBA. And people were like, man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, can't I mean, with the NBA, it's more palatable, right? Because, I mean, as much as the crowd helped the NBA game experience, it's not really a part of the storytelling of it. It's all a pure athletic sport, and it's about the people on the court. Whereas wrestling, like, the crowd involvement is part of it. So, no crowd, like, you know what I mean? So, Yeah, but crowd involvement is a big part of the NBA as well. Like, it's it not is. like, it's not, when I think of crowd engagement in the, in the NBA, it's not like the NFL with, like, home turf advantage. You get a home turf advantage, it's not that level. But it does matter, because you do, like, they get a slam. Imagine a slam dunk contest with no audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like imagine, imagine if Vince Carter went that year that Vince Carter went off, which actually there were several. But imagine one of the years that he went off, he put his arm in the rim and there was nobody there. All you heard was the ball dribble. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, that just kills the moment. Like, what would the camera cut to? It, it won't have anything to cut to. <laughs> so why you giving it an eight? Like that. Yeah, like it, it probably wouldn't even be a person. They probably have like a card on the table with somebody probably texting a number nine and be like, yeah, "I'm not." Like it just it kills. Man, is that what higher experience? The dunk contest is gonna be with. Oh man, that's terrifying. I don't think it can be because it would kill the it would kill the experience. I feel like the half of the ninety nine percent of the experience of the dunk contest is one percent dunk and then ninety nine percent reactions. So when you cut to like the actual athletes who are like 
these superhumans themselves going, oh my God, I can't believe somebody did that. That's a huge part of the experience. Yeah. So mm-hmm. with the WWE, that's also a big part of it. When those, when those big moments in the storylines happen where a character turns heel and decides to like go from being a good guy to a bad guy randomly in that night, the crowd's reaction is a huge part of that. So you can't, in my opinion, you can't really have that event without having the crowd experience. Mm-hmm. So you you have to cancel it. Mm-hmm. Even people who want to pay for that. Like, I tell you, even if I was still watching wrestling, I wouldn't want to pay so, <laughs> to okay. watch these guys wrestle right. in so, so we're talking about, in that perspective, right, from a, I guess this is the other side of the conversation, is, you know, as a owner, as an investment, you say, okay, I'm going to cancel it. But then the onus and the responsibilities of the jobs that, you know, where does that come into play? Like the responsibility and the ownership and the, you know, to the to the people that would work and make money off this, right? Now, yeah. granted, you can't have this event anyway. Even if you was to still have this event, you can't have all these people in the arena. You're not going to be yeah. able to, So it's not like the audience is going to come. But then now, how do you address the the wages of the workers and the people that, you know... And that's where I think a lot of the conversation is at nowadays. I think the... Yeah. the so here's what the speculation that I've heard to answer both of your questions. So mm-hmm. here's, what I, here's what I've heard they're doing. So A, they own two... They own a property called mm-hmm. the Performance Center. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where they train their wrestlers. So they're going to do a taped WrestleMania from that building with mm-hmm. no crowd. Mm-hmm. And just so that... So all the tech people will still get paid and all the camera crew and stuff like that who are making money off events like this will still get paid. But no... No gate because there's no audience, so mm-hmm. you're not getting money from that. Um, and then there's another property where they have a relationship with. They rent. It's a call. It's Full Sail University. You guys are probably familiar. Yeah. With Full Sail yeah. University. Yeah. 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 They're used. They're also taping. Uh, they're doing two nights of tapings, and they're taping the big WrestleMania event, and then the following weeks of television program, and uh, I think the rest of the month. They're taping all that in two days. Oh, okay. Um, so that's what they're doing in terms of the presentation. In terms of the finances behind it, um, to my knowledge, Vince leveraged some of his stock options for to liquid to liquid uh, liquidated them. So that they, they were cash flow positive, so that they could like I guess that was to cancel out the ticket sales they're not getting. So mm-hmm. if I could assume, mm-hmm. but I don't know the details of how he did it and why he did it. So right, that, right. that makes sense. That sounds like the only solution. I, that. Because when is, when is WrestleMania again? I know it's, it's, it's this up. weekend. It's Saturday, Sunday. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. That's done. We're done then. We're done. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not happening. That's what we've been done that's with. Over. And, yeah, that was his only option. He had nothing else he could do. You know, so I hopefully did. Hopefully somebody paid for it. All right. I and did. Now, oh, yeah. That's the part I forgot, too, is their their business model is really less pay-per-view leverage now because they have their app. And if you have the app and the subscription, you get to watch the pay-per-views, you know, for free with your subscription. So they're really providing the service to the audience that's already paid them versus mm-hmm. they do still make pay-per-view revenue and that is still, but it's not as big as their subscription revenue by any means. So, Got it. I mean, okay. I just saw, I just saw an article, well, earlier today about the NBA and how they were trying to offset that from a business perspective and some of the executives that, you know, GMs and people in the NBA was going to take like a 20% pay cut to help offset and leverage I guess the wages that was going to be lost from some of the other lower earning staff across the league now I haven't read the details of the article but that was something that I thought was interesting as I saw today um, just off the fact that right now the sentiment there's a, gr- there's a sentiment 
you know, and, and rightfully so among the, the, I don't know if we want to say the have and have nots, right about you can say it like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it is, um, you know, these people who are earning these high salaries and CEOs of large corporations and, you know, people losing their jobs. And it's kind of like the conversation about, well, the, it, the solution can't just be to cut jobs. That's that's really not going to work just to keep cutting jobs to the bone because you still need people yeah. to, to work. Right. So how do you offset that? And, you know, of course, anytime you start talking about that or any type of quote unquote redistribution, <laughs> you know, you start socialism. Right. But, you know, these times do call for these are unprecedented times and it does cause for some unconventional methods you know, to address, right? Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really mad when I heard that, but, you know, it's just depending on your position in life and where you stand, you're probably either going to be with it or for it or, or not, right? Even like with the rents and landlords and, and stuff like that. Goodness, I would hate to be a landlord right now. Would, yeah, because yeah, where are you making up that, that income from? Yeah. And then I just, you know, and I see too, you know, when I see the conversations around it, you know, um, like it seems like for, and I might just be in a bubble, it might just be the bubble that I'm saying. It just seems like there's definitely anybody that's even remotely capitalistic (laughs) at this point is like, they're thrown under the bus, right? I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it just seems like that's what the tide is right now, and I—I I mean, I mean, that is the environment right that now. That is the environment. Okay, so that's that not is, just that me. That is the wave. No, All right, right. I, had a, I had a few friends, or one <laughs> one or two friends, kind of go off of me on Facebook mm-hmm. because there, there was a tweet going around with this girl, some random girl. I don't, I don't know the girl. Obviously, I'm trying mm-hmm. people screenshot tweets, right. and she was just talking about how being a landlord isn't a job. Mm. She was just like, yeah, it's so dumb to me. Like, if you're a landlord and your only source of income is people paying you their wages from work then it's that's not their fault that's your fault and i was like i'm not the biggest like capitalist in any way but i'm like that to me that person doesn't sound very intelligent because i'm like yeah landlord yeah they have somebody has to manage the property if you're Mm -hmm. renting a property Mm -hmm. somebody has to manage it somebody has to make sure you have somebody to call when the heat ain't working Mm -hmm. when your roof falls apart like Someone has to do that. And even though you don't think you don't value, you probably don't value it as high as someone who's going and punching the clock for nine to five, mm-hmm. it's still work. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, I, I can understand people kind of having, like you said, the wave is pretty much now anything that's not capitalist. So everyone mm-hmm. is like, if you get paid from anyone's labor in any form, you are part of the problem. That's mm-hmm. pretty much how it. I would say a large part of the internet is viewing this. This is why socialism is so appealing. I personally don't have a problem with socialism. I don't have a problem with capitalism either. I have a problem with people and <laughs> the way they abuse systems. Mm. <laughs> but I think all of these systems can work in some way that's somewhat cohesive. Right. Like, okay, I understand that right now nobody's making any money. So mm. rent will be a problem. Right, right. But the landlord also has to pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. How do we figure out something to leverage that? To fix that so that the landlord doesn't then have to bang on your door and demand money you don't have. Right, like, right. you can't stop one step up the pyramid. You got to go all the way to the top and figure out how we can actually fix this. Right. But, I, I think it also boils down to just human nature, right? Our human nature, or at least in America, because this is the only... I haven't lived in other countries, right? To yeah. know what their culture norms is and stuff. But, you know, a lot of times it's, 
you know, we're kind of okay with stuff until it hits us, right? Like, yeah, and you know, for what it is, this is the society we live in, and we can make changes, and we have made changes as a society over the years, right? Yeah. But uh, I do think we have reached because of the circumstances, because of the environment, it has reached a pitch where we're rejecting a lot of things that we and I, I don't I say we but I don't include myself that society thought was important like celebrity culture like the backlash I see on yeah. a lot of celebrity you know a celebrity better not ask anybody to donate anything <laughs> right a celebrity yeah. better not don't do not ask you have all this money don't ask us yeah. to donate you should be donating or even if uh and it goes even back to the business like if a business owner who is also a celebrity ask you know people to donate even if they think they're doing something nice by saying we'll match it up to 100 percent, they'd be like forget matching you need to be giving oh right and you know i i mean in some cases i definitely you you don't you can't be tone deaf especially in this time yeah. as a business owner but I don't really know where that leaves us as a whole because anybody that has a job for the most part, no matter what, I'm not going to say, let me not, not, for the most part, anybody that has a job, there is some, some level of somebody else getting a short end, right? Yeah. I mean, and I guess we can say no, not if you're a low wage worker or not. And, and that's a fair assessment, right? But like in all aspects, you know, and right now we're in a, we're only two weeks in. So I don't really know where it's going to go where depending on, you know, where we're at. Definitely the case can be made. All these people who are considered essential workers, definitely, you know, I we're not compensating them enough, right? There never needs some yeah, type definitely. of, you know, the whole the whole conversation on what is an essential worker. And then when you think about it, they're not who we as a society have uh, traditionally thought of as a, an essential worker. Right. Yeah. Like, so that can, that should, I'm pretty sure that's going to change very soon and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time just to see where the shift in the tide is turning. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Hmm. Where let me let me ask you guys where do you when the smoke clears right because it's I mean we're not going back <laughs> to how things yeah, are right? we're not we're going back. back it might be revolution right like yeah. let's just be honest with you know I know people would like it to be back I mean but it's not so. How do we when when the smoke clears and and the dust settles? What are your predictions and and things on how it might move forward? And from a business perspective, but also from like an employee or worker day to day life, how, how does that look for you? What do you think? I mean, Sean, you want to go first? Yeah, the first thing I can think of is just how much money the government is spending trying to you know prop up the economy and. There's going to be consequences for for trillions of dollars. I mean, mm. that's that's the first thing I'm thinking about. So when it dust settles and everything clears, wherever we are, that seven or how many ever trillion dollars it is now, or will be in the end, um, this is going to be this is going to be a, a price to pay. No pun intended for all mm. that. So I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like. It's very vague prediction I'm making. So I apologize for the 
vague nature of it, but I just feel like that's a lot of money for us to spend and not really have an end game, you know? Because I don't mm-hmm. know if they played out what the goal is. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, it's, it's, well, like you said, I also think we can't go back, but I also don't know what going, I think going forward might be a, I feel like by default it's going to end up being a fight of some sort. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things that people are pushing for, which they, some people have been pushing for, for for years, like not just online, but just like in, in history, like, you know, universal basic income and things like that. Um, I feel like those ideas aren't going to sound so extreme to some of the people that it did sound extreme to. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, then at the same time, I don't think we're just necessarily going to be given it. Because mm. the way the history of this country tends to be, we don't just get stuff when we think it's due. Mm-hmm. We tend to get stuff when we way past the being due. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> so I, I'm sure it, it won't sound so extreme now when, when like, I don't know, you get a Bernie Sanders up there saying half the things that he says and people are like, he's socialist. Some people may go, well, you know, some parts of socialism isn't that bad. Let's try a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we may we may at least get more of that. Uh, getting some of those things, I think, is going to be a challenge. Might not even happen in our generation, but it, it's going to be a challenge because – like as you said, some people were perfectly fine with things the way they are, mm-hmm. and usually those people are the people who are winning the most. Right. Right, right. And it's despite the manpower of the, uh, as people say, middle class or working class, and despite those those being the number out to outweigh the, the wealthy. Let's be real; the people with money still kind of move things in this country. Mm-hmm. So. Unless everyone kind of gets on board, or there's an overwhelming majority to get politicians on board, we probably won't get a lot of these things that we're getting at the moment. Like I, I think it's great that they're going to expand. They're going to expand unemployment benefits for people, which is fantastic. Even going to put add some money on top of that. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. But this this support when we get through it, whether it's a recession, depression, whatever comes out of it, you can't just then go great. We helped you guys for a little bit. Get back out there. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, some of the money that people may be getting may be more than they've ever made. Mm. Some mm. people never made twelve hundred dollars in a week. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I don't think you're gonna be able to just snatch that from under them and be like, "I right, man, go back to your non-essential minimum wage job." I don't think some people are gonna be cool with that. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna be an interesting battle going forward. Got it. Got it. Business-wise, I think a lot of businesses are going to do the same thing <laughs> because when you know you can get bailed out, I feel, I feel like you have no reason to not do the same thing. Mm, it's, uh, it's, it's if not, you, right, right. Like you just don't. Like I was watching um, fairly recently. I was watching, I love the Netflix show uh, Dirty Dirty Money. Oh man, love that show. Yeah, that cool. show was so good. Yeah. I was. Uh, did you see the Will 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 Yeah, movie? yeah, yeah, man. Go go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah. man. I was watching that one recently. I was watching with my lady, and I was just like, yo, the crazy thing about this is, considering some of the things that they did, you know, the false accounts and all that stuff to make all these billions of dollars, mm-hmm. I'm like, imagine you in business, you tricked a bunch of people, did a bunch of corrupt things, made $900 billion. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court gets involved, they fine you for $10 million. Did you really learn your lesson? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that, you just took a little tax off my, my profits. That's it. You ain't really, like, hurt me. Mm-hmm. Like that. So... If companies know they can like not spend properly or cut their margins really tight, and then when things get real bad, fire people with an axe for a bailout, I don't think they really have a reason to learn. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They're too big to fail. Um, yeah. No, fair. I so see. So that's I'm gonna jump in, and that's where 
my perspective is a little bit more unfortunately it's more sad doom and gloom um, then I mean you guys didn't paint a rosy picture but I'm about to paint even more <laughs> so you're speaking from a big business perspective right um and for me I'm not even really looking at the big big businesses like that because I feel like they're gonna be okay right they're gonna figure out some way to you know, whatever they need to do on their, on their books, on their balance sheets, accounting books, and whether they need to liquidate, sell the real estate, you know, get go under, get reacquired by somebody else, you know, the big ones are going to be, quote unquote, okay, as a business, yeah. as a business, right? Um, for me, my focus and concern is really on the small to medium-sized businesses. These are the ones that I'm more keeping my eye on, and I don't have a positive outlook for them and i really would like to but i just feel like they're gonna bleed dry i just i just really feel I'm like gonna throw some optimism at you because i think <laughs> these ones who have been very very flexible and able to like navigate the digital space mm -hmm. and use those tools to continue their operations maybe not the same scale they were before but right they're still operating i think they'll survive and find new ways to like get back to where they were okay just so fair. Let me not say all. I mean, I don't even know if I said all. A lot are going to bleed dry. And and that's there's just I mean, look, we're not even two weeks in. <laughs> really, we're not even two yeah. weeks in and, and look what's going on. So it just, you know, from a forecasting perspective and forecasting the business for these businesses, you know, the ones that can innovate and, and pivot and try to, you know, stay afloat until the, the climate changes. Yeah, they will be all right. But then when you have some businesses that the digital landscape doesn't lend itself to that business to be flexible, what are you going to do? What if, I, I don't know. What are you going to do? It, it's going to bleed them dry, unfortunately. I mean... You know, the barbershops, the barbershops, the salons, these yeah. hair salons, you know, I, I hear I hear a, a police car in somebody's background, you know, that brings me to my that brings me to my next point. Uh, crime is going to go up, unfortunately, you know, um, for a lot of these things. It, it's not going to be Mad Max, but it's going to it's going to it's going to be really rough, unfortunately, for a lot of these people. And it's going to get worse. Like, we're just only two weeks in, and I'm just very, you know, shocked at how it's real already, right? Um, but for the business, you can always find success and innovation through hard times. So there will be a lot of success success stories, without question. There's going to be a lot of success stories, new businesses that came up through these times. And we're going to hear a lot of success stories of companies that had to pivot and change how they move and all that. But that's not going to be every business because every business doesn't lend itself like that. Right. So I'm, I'm very concerned in seeing how those businesses even manifest and, and take shape moving forward. Uh, from a job perspective, um, people who have jobs, man, listen, I don't even know. <laughs> like, that that's that this it's just a scary you know it's a it's a scary forecast to see whether where, where does that even go you know i know you, you kendra you made the point about twelve hundred dollars right and for there's two ways there's a few ways to look at it you look at it as a lot of people never had that much at one check and that's fine but then my perspective is to be quite honest twelve hundred ain't enough <laughs> twelve hundred ain't enough 
you know, so not New York, not New York. So I just don't know. I just hope, you know, I just I do hope that hopefully this is an awakening for a lot of people, especially, you know, we've we've really listen. This is the business grind. We know what we're about. We're about business and and talking about business and all that. But, you know, and people romanticize business so much, but they romanticize it from a perspective of be your own boss. It's it's attractive and sexy to be your own boss. But, you know, you look look under the hood and it's it's not as it's not as uh, appealing as you think it is, right? Yeah. But it's sexy know, when you win it. Yeah, sexy. You know, <laughs> yeah. So I would I hope this just is hopefully awakening for a lot of people to probably once they get through the fog and, you know, this is chaotic right now for a lot of people's lives, hopefully it lets them reevaluate a lot of things and say, hey, am I really am I really doing business or am I paring to do business, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Am I really strong? Is my foundation strong or do I need, or does it look like I'm strong, you know, because these likes can only get, these social media likes can only get you so far, right? Um, but what are my books looking like? Do I have enough saved? Do I, you know, and I know it's it's not easy. And hopefully from, a, you know, people who don't have businesses, just from an uh, an employee, you know, if they're just working a nine to five. And, you know me, I've never, I'm not those people that be on social media knocking other people because all they do is a nine to five. But if that is your path also, then, you know, what does that look like so you're not as exposed if something like this happens again? Because, I mean, it's two economic hits in my lifetime. <laughs> like... <laughs> What else, I don't, who knows how many more we're about we may take on, you know. Yeah. Um, and so. that's the kind of one of the questions I want to ask y'all too is how do you think this one compares? I know besides our personal financial situations are probably a lot different, but mm-hmm. just in terms of how it's affecting business, uh small businesses, like you said, Danny, like how do you think this one compares to that one? So far, obviously. So far, I would I think I would, I think this hits a little bit different and a little bit more. It's like a gut punch. This one, I feel. I mean, the, when, when the market crashed, what was it? Oh eight, oh nine. Yeah. I mean, the market crashed, but the world didn't. I mean, the world kind of stopped, but we still was kind of going on um, with business as usual. You know, on our on our day to day stuff, right? So we were able mm-hmm. to. So you think kind of like the quarantine and things like that are adding to the, what do they call it? The animal spirits is kind of dampening them. The what? I'm sorry, the animal spirits? You know what they, in, 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 in uh, stocks and bonds, they call animal spirits. They talk about like the, 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 what, the what is it called? I'm going to Google it now. Listen, I'm never ashamed to admit what I don't know. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I hope I'm not misusing it, but I feel like they're referring to like like the spirit of the economy, like like how the consumer is behaving, how they're spending, how they feel, just like uh-huh. the, the the health of the economy, and they call it animal spirits. Right. I hear they use that all the uh-huh. time on CNBC, okay. using context clues, so I could be using it wrong. No, but, that's oh, fair. No, that's fair. I like that. I like that. I, I, just, I like that. I mean, so I'll say all that to say this. Yes, I mean, this stay at home is, de- I mean, just from observation, it's sl- yes, it is slowing down the economy on so many levels. I'm... I'm fortunate to not have, you know, my situation isn't as drastically impacted as other people. But if you ain't, you just got to take a look around you. The streets are empty. Stores are closed. Yeah. 
Stores is closed. Um, you know, businesses ten at a time at a store, a restaurant, or you know, and call pick up. Like, yeah. So for me, it just it feels. And with this, there's no end in sight right now. I don't, and I don't care what anybody says on the news. There's no end in sight. You could take Easter, you could whatever, whatever people are saying. There's no real end in sight right now. As long as people are still losing lives, and as long as these hospitals are still overwhelmed. That's my metric of where we're at with this. So any anybody else can say what they want, but until these hospitals are able to confidently be like, okay, we're good, oppressed, you know, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So yes, it feels it feels just the energy around me feels way different than what it was when it was 08. And then just looking at what's going on around with basic outdoor observations right i never seen yeah. even even when the market crashed manhattan didn't look like a ghost town right it was a lot of uns- it was a lot of uncertainty but to an extent we were still moving forward with some type of commerce some type of economy some type of we were still going to work a lot of people were getting laid off and everything but people were still going if it wasn't get like it just feels like oh man what is one of those marvel movies when you know when like Thor just swings his hammer and a whole bunch of people just knock off, right? <laughs> that's how the, that's how these layoffs feel like whoosh, whoosh, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah. if you ask me right now, it feels a little bit worse personally. Yeah, um, when when oh eight oh nine when that happened, I was still in college, so financially I was already broke, so it wasn't <laughs> the thought. <laughs> didn't personally cross my mind too much. Like I kind of knew what it was. My parents, you know, they were, they were yelling as they'd always dealt. So life didn't change too much mm-hmm. um, considering where I was, but uh, like to Danny's point, like people were still working. It was just a really like unfortunate hell Mary that kind of came out of nowhere. And everyone was like, hold up, what? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what 08 was this. I ain't never in my whole life ever heard of something where like, because of like a health, a medical condition, everyone stopped going outside. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I ain't never heard that in my whole. I thought that was only reserved for movies. I mm-hmm. never heard that ever, ever. That's that's insane to think that someone was like, like the governor came on TV and was like, "Yo, I better not see nobody outside." Like he sounded right. like a father, put the whole state on punishment. He's like, I, you best not be outside. Every time somebody was outside, he called it out. He was like, yo, you know you shouldn't be outside because you know there's a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's like people can't go out. Businesses are closed. I, I took one quick errand like yesterday to like to like Harlem. I was walking around and everything is closed. Mm-hmm. FedEx was like the only thing open. I had nothing donuts. Everything else was closed. Right. It's a complete ghost town. Nobody's working. I, every time I turn on LinkedIn, somebody new is getting fired. Mm. And it's from like, and these aren't like, would you say minimum wage workers? These are people, software engineers, all of this stuff. People are just like, oh, company couldn't hold me. Kind of mm. had to let me go. And mm. it's just like, it's the norm. And mm. I'm sure, of course, more than that is going to come because not many jobs were prepared to have their employees at home. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, a lot of jobs don't want their employees at mm. home. Mm. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> like, let's be real. Like, yeah. In the corporate space, mm-hmm. a lot of managers like to manage. They want to stand over your shoulder and watch you do what you do mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, yeah, he's doing his thing because I'm seeing him at his desk right. all day. The theatrics. Yeah. 
Yeah, your employer can't do that when you're at home. And that's not your fault that they feel that way. It's just that's how the corporate world works. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to be at home chilling in your couch. Getting, even if you're getting work done, they don't want you home chilling on your couch, hanging out with your cat and your kids. They mm -hmm. just they just don't. They used to they used to being able to contain that space. And so some people just don't want to go home. The, the office is their escape mm -hmm. <laughs> from their own life. So mm -hmm. um, I would hope out of this we get more remote work for people to make life a little more convenient. But I don't think we're gonna get any of that. And combining that with the fact that people are just being laid off and that everything just had to come to a screeching halt. Man, I don't even know what a startup looks like. Like, I don't know what starting this back up looks like. Like, when that day does come, if it comes, which I assume it will, when that day comes and they go, all right, cool, everything is safe, everybody can start going outside, I don't even know what that looked like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a big question mark. That's, like, what is the first thing people are going to do? Like, are they going to go in the park and be like, man, I can stand outside? Are people going to give somebody a, a hug? Are they going to give their neighbor a high five because they can actually touch them now? Like, what does that day even look like? Mm -hmm. So that... That's one of the biggest things, biggest concerns to me is like what starting back up looks like. And I was actually, I'm always online reading different stuff people say say about things. And I'm just curious. And one person said, made a really good point in my personal opinion anyway. He was like, to be honest with you, um, this sitting at home stuff kind of made me realize how hard I was working. Mm. And I kind of need to slow down. So I wonder if even this like period of self-reflection will save, change some people's mindsets about their relationship with work. Right, right. So... Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Good. Some good points there. All right. So I think that you know might touched on a lot of good points. Like as we said, you know, we didn't really have this as a planned episode, but considering you know the timeliness of what's going on, we just felt like, hey, what what are the ramifications? What are some things that we've noticed? It's only two weeks in, but you know, just on what we can take away from it and what we should be thinking about moving forward. So. Hopefully, you know, you took some, some, got some gems for this. So maybe you have some suggestions as well that you think some points that we might have missed. And if so, feel free to comment or tweet us about that as well, you know, on some areas that we may have overlooked or not caught so far. Right. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So, Kendall, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, Kendall, you have anything for, for our audience out there? Oh, oh, guys, feel free to uh, follow me on Twitter. Add me on LinkedIn, but I'm on Twitter. You can find me at the, T-H-E, Kendall B. So at the Kendall B, you can find me there. Same on Instagram, but I'm, I mainly live on Twitter and LinkedIn, so feel free to find me there. Right, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Sean, anything from you? Nah, man, I got nothing over here. Just everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, be smart. Yeah, definitely. Everybody stay healthy and stay safe out here for sure in Ronnie's times. And I'll uh, see you next time. All right? The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors.